You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Felony, Inc. This podcast is live from downtown Portland, Oregon, in the great Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Dave Dahl. You may know me as the creator and co-founder of Dave's Killer Bread, or maybe even you might even remember me as your Sully and uh, in the <laughs> joint. And if so, you probably owe me some money. So pay up, motherfucker. We broadcast live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time, and then you can check out the podcast a few weeks later, if you can remember. With me in the studio, as usual, is my partner in crime, Lad Justison. Lad, say hello to our listeners and tell them what kind of trouble you've been up to. Oh my gosh, Dave. I've been in lots of trouble. Didn't go to jail for it, though, this time. But guess what? We had a very successful uh, fundraiser last night. Oh, we did? Yeah, well, it wasn't like we didn't raise a lot of money, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, we took More our like band. a fundraiser. But... Yeah, it was a fundraiser. Yeah. The killer granddaddies were at the Peggy Hogue Real Estate Office, downtown Portland, and uh, we rocked them out pretty Yay, good. Yeah, Peggy. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we've been up to. And... Uh, I know you're, you got a big day planned, don't you? You're going to go see some. Yeah, I'm going to go see the Decembrists today. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Decembrists, and uh, this will be the second time I've seen them in concert, so I'm kind of... And you're also taking your lovely gal. Yes, I am. Michelle, are you out there? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You must not be out there. <laughs> You're not talking back. Yes, well, for thing. once. That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Now no you're trouble. Through, dude. No trouble here. Uh, the Decemberist has just been put off. <laughs> On the show today, joining us live <coughs> from Seattle, Washington, is two-time successful serial entrepreneur. And that's not because he makes cereal or has anything to do with cereal. It's, he, we mean that as in he's done more than one business. And I think that's that's pretty amazing, especially when you realize that he was uh, in prison at some point. And uh, we're going to talk to him about some of the lessons he's learned in, in there and out here. Uh, his He was formerly the Pop Gourmet, Popcorn CEO, and now he's doing a bunch of other stuff. His name is David Israel. And Israel first founded the financial services company Ponex Ex- um, Exchange. Dave, you probably pawned something to this guy during your drug days. So, <laughs> and led the company <laughs> and led the company from a single startup store with an annual revenues of four hundred and fifty thousand that grew into a powerful forty-four store regional chain with annual revenues exceeding forty-eight million. Wow! Then the stores were robbed. David was accused of hiring the two men who committed the robbery, which netted about... Weren't you one of those guys, lad? I was. Who hired you? You did. <laughs> okay. Which netted about 500000 in jewelry and about 1200 grand in cash. Twelve. And then, 12 grand. Or 12 grand. $12,000,000,000. And then laundering the dough through the shops. Uh, that didn't end well. So while serving time for the robbery and laundering conviction... David wrote a business plan for popcorn business, which has grown in many interesting ways. David went on to found Pop Gourmet Foods in 2011, and under his leadership, formed numerous strategic partnerships with not only established food uh, brands, but has successfully launched Pop Gourmet's products at internationally recognized retailers, including Costco, Kroger's, Starbucks, and Walmart. Welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, David Israel. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. It's it's good to talk to you. I happen to 
remember you from um, a little bit of uh, correspondence, and I ate some of that pop gourmet popcorn. It was the one I ate was um, that I remember was the Big House, and boy, that was good. But you know, I didn't want to get addicted to that stuff. He sent you some of that stuff, Dave. I never. No, but you I don't, never got none of it. Well, you know, you don't really matter. I think I probably shared it with you, lad. Mm. Anyway. No, oh, well, I, I would remember. Yeah, so, you know, we got a lot to talk about here. Um, I know you're not involved with that company anymore, interestingly. Uh, that's how things go when you're successful. But, uh, I mean, they can go that way when you're not successful, and they go that way when you are successful. So, um, where do we start with you, Dave? Well, David, I don't, you know, uh, where would you like to start? Do you want to start in in prison? Do you want to start where we are today? Well, well, where do you want to go? Start where it led up to that point. Yeah. You know, where do your lessons, where do your big lessons begin? I mean, did are there some really potent lessons from before prison that, that matter in the story, or do you want to start with prison? Yeah, I know. I think there's some great lessons uh, prior to prison. Uh, actually, prior to getting charged, and then, you know, leading up, you know, when I got charged, there was a, I mean, it was seven years before I finally threw in the towel and decided that it's just the only way to end it was to go to prison, but... Uh, I you think know, you spent about a, you spent about a million dollars on your on your defense. I, I read well, about a million three when you when you count in investigators, appellate attorneys, and you know everything else that that kind of leads into it. Uh, you know, and I had to fight off two uh, prosecutorial appeals over the seven years. So I had to have separate appellate attorneys. I mean, it's a joke, and you know, uh, unlike. Well, unlike business attorneys, you don't you don't just uh, pay as you go. They need to be paid up front because they're not sure you're going to be there. They trust you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, they don't want to start a collect if you're not there later, right? That's so, right. And hard had, to get out of prison. Yep, and you had a big target on you, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I had had a lot of it's very high profile. I just raised capital from a lot of uh, you know the significant in, investors in the. Oh, nationally, but mostly in the in the Northwest. You know, like the founders of Costco and the founders of uh, Starbucks and many other kind of leading guys around here. So yeah, I was it's kind of high profile, and you know, prosecutors like that, right? They like to get their name in the paper. Yeah, absolutely, but, that's uh, why it costs one point three million dollars to defend yourself. Yeah. Mm. So you know, I uh, the lesson for me, I mean, going into it was, I mean, is that my, I mean, my. My goal in life is coming from somebody that didn't have a lot of resources as a kid and kind of, you know, might have had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because I had no money and grew up in a wealthy neighborhood, uh, was to be somebody and to, you know, to have things uh, that other people had that I couldn't afford. And, uh, you know, so those, it seemed to me, I guess, that, you know, having a nice car or a big house or one day having a plane or something was was important to me. Um, And I thought that's what kind of, made you successful, right? Not, you know, not, not having a good life and a great family and, and a wife that you love, right? Well, so, yeah, and I was well, some people never learn that lesson, unfortunately. But Yeah, the, no, the, in either way, no matter what their circumstances are. I think that, you know, once I was charged and uh, everything kind of just came out from underneath me right away, um, you know, it was shortly thereafter that I realized that, you know, the important things in life weren't the things that just got taken away from me so quickly or that I thought were important. It was the my family, my wife, my children, my and my friends that stood by me. And, uh, you know, I kind of changed my perspective on what I, what I re- kind of defined as success moving forward. I mean, well, yes, that- I still want to be successful, but I, I, I'm happy just taking care of my family. I, you know, I don't need a bazillion dollars in this. Yeah. Uh, when I tell investors that I'm not in it for the dollar, I don't want to scare them. I'm not. I mean, I want to win, and I want to, I want to outperform my competitors, and I want to leave them behind me. Uh, but you know, I want to make a great value for them. But it's you know, I mean, that's just kind of who I am. And I, sure. right now, I just yeah, Excellent. I just want to have a good life. You pursue a good life, and you know. Yeah, go ahead. Well, part of the part of success is the pursuit of excellence, not just um, you know the end result, but the journey and. You know, obviously you do that. Um, you know, how do you... Beating the competition is necessary, or at least gotta, you got to compete. Um, 
you know, and the early days for me, you know, Dave's Killer Brad getting out, getting out, um, I mean, for me it was very dramatic uh, to get out and, and come from where I had been. Um, and the great part of it was actually I, I learned way before Dave's Killer Bread that success was not about money. And uh, I was just so happy for all those years building the brand. And uh, it was so from the heart. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing you learned some of those lessons too. Yeah, I mean, that's what's, it's passion and innovation that drive, you know, the success. And uh, yeah, I agree with you that, listen, I mean, being successful doesn't, it's not the dollar at the end of the day. It's, uh, it's what you're doing along the way. Yeah, the, the story that we tell, how we're going to be our legacy, you know, it's going to be more than just, you know, he made made some bread or popcorn. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, um, I, I, I read your uh, your bio as well, and uh, great stuff. Uh, something I noticed on there uh, kind of connects you to Dave is that uh, it says that right now you uh, that you hire about 33% um, ex-felons, you know, and... Uh, that's that's a big thing, you know, and I know, you know, back when you went to prison, uh, you were telling us earlier uh, before we got on the show that you had uh, a different outtake on the fellows in there once you got in there and seen these guys. Your whole attitude toward changed. So is there somebody in there or a group of people in there that, that had that effect on you to see a difference in those guys? You know what? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, like, like I mentioned, I mean... When I decided that it was the only way to end this situation uh, once and for all and have closure was just, you know, throw in the towel and go to prison and get it behind me. Uh, I mean, my perspective going in was these are a bunch of, you know, just scum of the earth, moronic people that I would never want to associate with. And I had to go in there and figure out how not to associate with them and just live my life. And it wasn't probably within the first week that I started learning that uh, you know, these are some good people. I mean, it, not, I'm not excusing what some of them may or may have not done or whatever. I'm just saying these are good, smart, some of the smartest people that I ever met along the way. They're capable uh, people. Absolutely. It's just what tools do they have? What choices did they make? What environment did they grow up in? Whatever. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, I had a lot of great lessons uh, within the first few months about myself, about people about the system, and I, I'd, uh, I, you know, I don't want to go on forever about what I learned, but I mean, I had... Well, when you're I was welcome to. You're totally well, welcome. When I was in, I'm going to tell you two quick... Uh, I mean, I met some great guys when I was going through the process in Shelton, you know, and uh, I was there for about eight weeks, and, you know, I obviously stood out and uh, didn't fit in, um, but people... A lot of the other fellow guys, you know, really tried to step out and help me. Yeah, they saw something in you, I'm sure. That was... You know, I mean, I, I was an idiot. I mean, I really had no idea how things worked. How, and there was a lot of guys helping me get my feet on the ground and understand how to survive. And, uh, you know, in Shelton, you're only allowed to use the phone, to con you know, when you go out to the yard and or to the... To the, to the to the grounds, to the track, whatever you, so people understand. Mm -hmm. And if it rains, you don't get to go outside. So there were days that I couldn't go outside, and you know, my my only priority was to stay in touch with my family and let them know I'm okay because they were concerned. And there was a young guy, a uh, young black guy who was probably in gangs, and he was on a he was on a decal tail called the Sergeant's Crew. So he was out all the time. And when I couldn't go out, I would ask him to please call my wife and let her know I was okay. And after about three days of continuous rain, uh, he came to me and said that he made a deal with the sergeant to switch places with me because yeah. I needed to be out because I needed to be out to stay in touch with my wife and family. So here's a guy I didn't even know uh, who probably grew up in a pretty rough, you know, lifestyle. He put himself back in the cell for 23 hours a day or whatever, excluding meals. So I could be out to call my wife and family. I mean, so it started showing me, these are like some really compassionate human beings. Uh, and they're not what everybody's perspective, you know, kind of perception is right. Um, just different circumstances. Yeah. And 
I started I started learning this, you know, for the entire four years I was there. I met a lot of smart people, and a lot of guys would tell me their stories and say that, you know, this is how, when they were young, I mean, they used to go out as a family and, you know, shoplift or steal food or whatever, right? And But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to have a real, they wanted to be a businessman, or they wanted to, they had some great ideas, or they wanted to work and have a family. And they would get out. And they would run into all these unnecessary roadblocks. One being society doesn't want to help them. Two is sometimes the DOC. And three is some of the, just the things that are set up within, you know, the, the, the government that prevents you from being successful. And I would see them come back, even with the greatest intentions. And I was like, this is unfair. So I actually started hiring. I had a company running that I was inside uh, that I left behind. Uh, not Pawn Exchange, but another company. And I actually hired one of my, my first sellies or roommates, uh, gave him a job when he got out. And, you know, uh, I just wanted to see people thrive and and do well and be successful. And, I mean, it's not just great for them. It's great for their families. It's great for tax holders. It's great for our communities. I mean, it, you know, it, it reduces crime rates, all kinds of things, right? A lot of benefits. So yeah, now that's by extension, of, I mean, it changes the world, yeah. you know, it well, makes sure. an impact. And, you, you know, know, I mean, not everybody's entitled. And, I mean, there's a lot of guys that just no. don't want to change. But for the people that do want to change, we should help them. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Um, <clears throat> the way to success in this is to, you know, find the people who, who really are ready to change. A lot of times, uh, with Days Killer Bread, my intention as an employer was always to find the best employee. It just happened that some of them were ex-felons. Um, you know, I, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to get one-third ex-felons here. I wasn't thinking that way. I was just thinking, what's the right thing to do here? What's the right thing for my business and what's the right thing for, um, you know, and for the community? What it just it, it just seemed natural to give some of these guys a chance because I had personally uh, undergone my own transformation so uh i look for that in people i you know i get excited when i see somebody you know making a difference and changing their changing themselves well you know you know dave too is that when you know you find these knuckleheads that change their life around they have such an impact on the other knuckleheads yes you know it just it just it's exponential you know what if if you believe it Knowing what I know, uh, my experience is I've helped other people. Of course, they mostly have to help themselves, but I can inspire them and do whatever I can. Um, and then uh, they go out and do the same thing. You know, it's yep. it, it can happen with negative things. Um, you see it in you know a lot of different things that are negative being being passed on. Well, we just do it with a positive. That's all. Yeah, well, they're some of the best employees and most uh, committed and appreciative employees that I've ever seen. Exactly. Uh, they're you grateful. Know, and I think they're very grateful for the opportunity because, again, I mean, you know what? I came home. Uh, no one was trying to hire me. I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, you know, so I had to go through some personal trauma and shut down a business that I left that people just kind of took advantage of me while I was incarcerated. Uh, and then ran into the recession and finally decided it was time to take that business plan that I wrote and put it to work. And, you know, uh, it was a way for me to, to kind of silently tell the story when I saw the big house, you know, immediately get on store shelves. I mean, it was kind of interesting, you know, it was, made me laugh when I would see, you know, the, the stores doing demos and families buying them. They had no idea what the original big house was and mm. like that it had M&Ms and, you know, cinnamon toast crunch and peanut butter caramel in it. So, right. You had to uh, work with what you had. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, again, my first cellie or cellmate became uh, my employee. And, uh, we just grew it. And I started hiring immediately. I started reaching out to their, you know, the work release uh, facilities in my area and, and started hiring. Um, and that's just what we did. You know, I mean, I probably, over the period, we probably hired a couple hundred guys. Uh, but, you know, Dave, I mean, a lot of them are just there till they get out of work release. Uh, and that's the end of the story. But a lot of them stuck around or a lot of them used it as a platform to catapult themselves on to doing something else. And 
you know, because they didn't all live in, they, you don't get sent to a work release that necessarily where you want to live. So they would go on and, and use that as a catapult to go find a job somewhere else uh, and use us as a reference. So it was great to see them succeed. But more importantly, it was great to see them be a committed part of our team to help us succeed. And then I know you saw that at Days Killer Bread, because uh, I know, I, I'm sure you know, I work with John Biev over at Days Killer Bread Foundation and do a lot with them around the country. And it's just, it's just great to see that because, gosh, it's so uh, fulfilling and rewarding knowing that you're doing something that not just helps a person and their family, but does change our world for the better. Yeah, and it's our world. That's, that's a good point. Um, we're not just, uh, you know, doing this, we're not doing this so unselfishly. This is our world and we want to make a difference here. Uh, Lad, why don't you tell us about, uh, something? Well, I got to Dave, I got to tell you about these, uh, CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Well, you know, I've always wondered how the hell that works. Um, I, I, I never say that something doesn't work or won't work because that's what they used to tell me, and they were wrong. So, um, you know, I, I wish these guys all the best with that business model. What do you think about that model? Um, Dave, did you hear? That was pretty cool to me. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, why not save some money? Well, you know what? That's weird because every time I send Dave a text or an email, he charges me. (laughs) (laughs) I just take it off his paycheck, you know. Boy, hey, you know what? If I could charge by the email I receive, I wouldn't have to go to work. That's right. Boy, I wish I could, too. I know. I would even start soliciting emails at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So, Dave, hey, uh, me and you were talking about this. It's really interesting uh, about how Dave got his product onto Oprah. Yeah, isn't that, that's a really great subject right there. I remember, boy, did I ever think of that or what? I know that I wanted to be on Oprah, but uh, I don't think I ever sent her, sent her any bread. But tell us about that. <laughs> well, you know, it was really about our fourth month in business um, where we were looking at the big house and a couple other, you know, caramel flavors that we created to put on the shelf in the stores. And I was just looking at the surrounding product that I was kind of with and they're all karma corns and they're all pretty much the same. And I was like, I gotta be different and I have to be more innovative. And Hey Dave. Um, yeah. Can you back up just a little bit on that story right there? Because where did this come from? Sure. Where did the popcorn come from? I mean, you were oh. a pawn store owner, you know, now all of a sudden popcorn. Well, he, did, he did it in prison, but go ahead. Uh, well, I'll tell you quickly. So, it's when I got to minimum security prison, uh, I was there it was in the last six months of my time. And, uh, a couple of the guys would, you know, we had a microwave obviously, and we had store, uh, where we could order, you know, all kinds of different things, you know, and these guys would order microwave popcorn, a bag of caramels, peanut butter, uh, cinnamon toast crunch cereal and Rocky road candy bars. And they would, microwave the popcorn, uh, they would melt the caramel, blend in some peanut butter, oh, and I'm sorry, M&M's. And then they would mix it all together in a large garbage bag with M&M, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and chopped up Rocky Road candy bars. And then they would separate it into smaller bags and trade it out. And guys would go crazy. You know, I kind of stuck to this diet, and I only ate, kind of went, you know, I only ate one day a week where I would go off my strict kind of diet. And uh, I watched everybody do this for a while. And then one day, it was my day to eat, and my roommate had some, and he gave it to me, and I started eating, and I'm like, damn, this is a business, you know? I mean, it reminded me of, like, Cold Stone Creamery for popcorn, where somebody can mix in stuff. So I started having my, my team outside send me information on the popcorn industry and uh, the equipment and all that, and I, I put together a, I mean, it was a short three-page business plan with my ideas and what I understood about the industry and the competition. Uh, and then again, I came home and, you know, I had to do some other things and was a couple of years went by before I could really, or not, not before I could, but before I really had to, 
make something happen, and, and I decided to put my business plan in action and launch Pop Gourmet. Wow. And uh, how many years were you, were you uh, incarcerated? I was, uh, I was inside for about 46 months. Okay, so, um, yeah, you put your time to really good use. I, I bet you, you didn't really get bored in there, huh? No, you know, was, I learned, like I said, I learned a lot of a lot of lessons about me, people, system, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, actually, I will tell you, I think that uh, going through and learning what I've learned while I was incarcerated made me a much stronger entrepreneur uh, because you learn how not to sweat a lot of the shit that you can't, you know, that you have no control over, right? Uh, you just, like, learn to work with it. So, um, I mean, there are some habits that I learned in there that really didn't work well for me when I decided when someone pissed me off. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it made me a strong entrepreneur, a stronger person and uh, smarter about business. Right. So yeah. uh, there was, I mean, and life, funny, yeah. way, funny education. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh do you you learn sort of a, a Zen or a Buddhist principle that I that I um, you know I'm really you know that I kind of trying to practice and try to keep in mind and it's it's really just acceptance but um, it's it's making the the moment is what it is and you accept that you always try to make it better in the future better and uh, you try to make your present your future present. Uh, the best it can be and in prison you really got that's a lesson that really comes in handy alright Dave so let's get on to the Oprah thing let's do it yeah what do you got to say so, about Oprah well you know listen so I was like I said I was looking at our shelves and I was just thinking that we had to do something more unique and high you know higher quality and uh, more trending and I, I went home and I told my wife that I you know my products are are cool and I think they're exciting and they're better than the competition, but they're kind of similar to everything else. They're just candy corn at the end of the day. And she's like, hey, you know, white truffle and chocolate salted caramel is pretty popular these days. So I went to our little facility. We had a 1,200-square-foot facility, and I bought some, got some real high-end truffle oil, white truffle oil and some white truffle sea salt, and I made two products. I made the white truffle popcorn, which was delicious, and uh, and expensive, and uh, I made the chocolate salted caramel, and you know I, I got it onto the shelves literally within about four weeks, as soon as I could get labeled, and um, we uh, heard that Oprah uh, was a fan of white truffle. So I how said, were you able to get it on the shelves so quickly? You know, I sent it. To, I just sent it to O Magazine in, in New York, and literally, Dave, uh, about two weeks later. Uh, we're sitting in our tiny little office, and it's about four in the afternoon on a Friday. I remember this distinctly. It was me and my uh, first employee, Sachin. We're just sitting there, and the phone rings, and I answer it. And uh, the woman says, hi, this is Ray Ann from uh, O Magazine. I'm like, okay, hi. And she says, yeah, Oprah loves your product. And she would like four cases FedEx to our headquarters here in New York tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is on, they want it on a Saturday. At any rate, uh, we went and made it, I mean, immediately shipped it by whatever it was, 6 p.m. Uh, I think we, whatever, our four cases came to whatever, $180, and then it was $274 for her. They gave us the FedEx number. Uh, and then the following week, um, we learned that they were going to put us in their edition as one of her favorite things. So this is all within about a three-month period. And then they started ordering it all over the place. She started calling local retailers at all her homes and asking them to carry our product. It was just nuts. Phenomenal. So, yeah, you know, we built a really good, we still have a really good relationship. I mean, uh, Rayanne now is looking at our avocado chips uh, to do something with in the magazine. And, uh, I mean, they're just very supportive. I mean, they had me go on the uh, Live Your Best Life tour with Oprah here when she was here in Seattle. So they've been very supportive over the years. We've been in the magazine three times. Um, so it's been, it's just one of those things that developed and, you know, I could have never, it's not something you could have asked for and got, it just, I was circumstantially, I was very lucky and she loved our product and became a very, and loved the story on top of it. Once she learned the story about a year into it, her and Adam, uh, who was the executive director at O Magazine, just, you know, again, really wanted to push it and support it. You made, uh, 
you actually make your own luck, though, and that's what you did. So, um, yeah, carry on. What's, uh... So, any, you know, I mean, once it was in the magazine, uh, we started getting calls from retailers nationally, and, you know, that's when we really uh, blew up. And, I, you know, I remember we had a call from a retailer that uh, called about a week after it was in the magazine, asked if we could launch into 2,500 of their stores. And, you know, of course, we had no capacity to do it. But I said, absolutely. And, um, you know, I didn't have loading docks. We had no space whatsoever. But you know what? I started hiring guys really ramped up quickly with a bunch of guys out of work release and started producing 24 hours a day. And then we used one of my partner's warehouses, who you know, uh, Dave, Lindsay Schwartz at Schwartz Brothers Bakery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where we met. Uh, actually, uh, he he let me use his facilities to stage the pallets and ship out truckloads of product for months until we could actually get our own location. So, again, just, you know, made it happen. That's uh, how I we met really, you. It was through Lindsay anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we met in his Tequila, or his kid factory. So, mm. anyway, we... we we were really fortunate to, to just make it happen, even though we probably, it was tough. I mean, we really didn't have the capacity. Well, we just made it happen. And uh, once we started, they started seeing us in 2,500 stores, other buyers started reaching out, and we just grew from there. And, you know, we always kind of wanted to be a, a step ahead of our competition in innovation and, and quality, uh, almost and most importantly. So... We just kept innovating and, and uh, focusing on quality and connecting with our, building our relationships with our customers and with our brand partners, uh, which again, I think is a lesson that I learned, you know, in prison, which is if you respect everybody and you do it right by everybody, you know, you, you do, you thrive, right? Uh, so that was a good lesson to learn uh, that I could apply to what I did in business is I just treated everybody the same and made sure that I treated them the way I wanted them to treat me and, and did what I said uh, as best I could. And if I couldn't do it, I would let them know way ahead of time. Yeah, so, if, if you, can, you, know. you can be poor um, and not be poor in spirit. You can be, uh, you, you could have nothing and treat people that way and they will, you know, they will respond well to that. Um, you know, that's just a great thing to, to have as part of the journey. You know, Dave, um, when I was, you know, working with Dave at Dave's Killer Bread. Who's that? Um, uh, some weird, funny-looking guy. Looks kind of like a woman. But anyway, um, <laughs> we, you know, we were really all... ugly woman. We all anticipated, um, you know, the next type of bread that Dave brought out, you know. And um, Dave always took it and sampled it, you know, at the farmer's markets and stuff. And after a while, Dave wasn't selling it at the farmer's market. He just went down there to kind of represent his booth because he loved the feedback. Now, there was, yeah. the, the farmer's market was still going on, but I wasn't able to be down there very much anymore. Right, because he made too much, you know. So, But anyway, uh, it was great to see that. So, you know, on that note, uh, and you're talking about innovations, you know, and you're talking about your uh, avocado chips. Uh, what else do you got in the future that you're kind of looking at to bring forward? Present and future. Well, so when I, when I stepped away from Pop Gourmet, uh, I mean, they, they only wanted to focus on popcorn and potato chips. Um, and wanted to downsize the production facility and get rid of a lot of the employees. So I just didn't agree with that philosophy. I, I mean, I knew there was a way to put things on the right track, but we weren't sharing that philosophy. And uh, uh, that's, that's just, again, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't the agree with the way. philosophy. Also. The I, didn't with, I didn't agree with the, yeah, I didn't agree with the philosophy that uh, we narrow our, I mean, I was building brands and, and products that were pretty diverse. I mean, we, you know, we were doing ketchup, and we were about to launch a hoi funk sriracha mayonnaise. I mean, all these branding partners that I developed, I felt would really catapult the company to another level. And because popcorn and potato chips, I mean, you know, it's a very congested, competitive category. Uh, yeah. And you're always fighting for shelf space, no matter how great you are. So I wanted to, to do something that would create our, do something you know for our investors and really diversify our lines. And anyway, I left and took most of the, Hoi Fun products and branding, you know, relationship with me. And uh, so I've been doing that. We've launched almonds. We've launched uh, milk Hoi Fun chocolate bars, uh, Hoi Fun hummus, which went into Costco last year. Um, so we're doing all kinds of things. And we're doing all of the uh, international sales for my branded partners as well. So, uh, but that led us into a category where 
someone came to me and asked me to help them launch uh, a vegan cheese in the U.S. It was a Greek product. And I was like, hell no. <laughs> so what do I know about vegan cheese? And I, it doesn't right. sound good. doesn't sound good. Uh, but I was convinced to try it. And when I tried it, uh, I was amazed. So uh, I ended up taking over the company and rebranding it. Uh, and it's, uh, we, we now partner with the manufacturer in Greece. So that it's Good Planet Foods. Uh, okay. It's a plant-based, you know, non-dairy cheese. And it's just going bazonkers. I mean, we're launching in national to Whole Foods and uh, Blaze Pizza. I mean, just a lot of demand for a product that uh, it's not just vegan. I mean, it applies to consumers that want to buy products that are better for the planet, uh, that want a heart-healthy diet, that are lactose intolerant. It's a very broad market. And it's one of the fastest-growing categories in the food industry. So uh, we're doing that. Well, uh, is that available? Is that available pretty much everywhere? It's only a food. It's in food service right now. Uh, it'll be online at Vegan Essentials in 30 days, and then you'll start finding it in retailers about uh, another 60 days. But uh, we can, we launched immediately in the food service. It's the easiest, fastest path well, for us me, because. Go ahead. Yep. I just wanted to ask That's you, you know. real quick. I wanted to ask you: Is it really cheese-like? I mean, I've had some vegan cheese. Ten years ago, that I'm sorry, I, I would yep. I couldn't deal with. It was rubber, right? Yeah, just no yeah, terrible not, flavor, everything texture. Ours is pretty amazing. Uh, we we get, I mean, we actually have cheese manufacturers uh, in Wisconsin that are wanting to distribute our product. So it, it's it's a coconut oil base, mm -hmm. so it creates that buttery uh, meltability that you know you get with real cheese. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it's, it is remarkable. That's you all would I notice, can tell you. you would, would be. It would be obviously different, though, right? But it's just sort of a replacement. You know what? If we put it on a pizza or a grilled cheese or on a burger, you're not going to know the difference. How about that? Okay. That's that's what I want to find out. I'm going to get some yeah, of that as soon as it's available. Well, let's, I'll send you some. Are right, you promised? Uh, Yep, you, you, let's, you, let's connect. You'll right. love it. I can't right. wait. Yeah, yeah. Then, we'll, yeah, we'll, then you we'll can advertise up. for me. I we'll will. do a grilled cheese with Dave. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Walmart brought us in in October, and they wanted to bring the cheese. So I wanted to display I wanted to kind of uh, demo it for them. So I brought a little panini maker, a loaf of Dave's Killer Bread, hmm. and my cheese, okay? Which kind of bread I do you remember? The, it was the one with the green label. It's a thin one. Okay. You know, the 60 calories. Oh, okay. Right? 21 whole grains. Thin yep. slice. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I make the buyer, he's the dairy buyer, and I make him a grilled cheese sandwich. And he takes a bite and he's like, God, this bread is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but did he know it was vegan cheese? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You know, he knew it was vegan cheese, but I mean, uh, he loved the bread. I was like, oh, wait, I'm trying to sell the cheese here. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, yeah. So, last, sorry, Dave, last time I used your bread. Yeah, really? How come you don't like my bread, man? <laughs> well, that, that well, goes, I, eat it per, I eat it personally. I just don't use it for demos oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. Cool. Well, that, that goes right along uh, the lines of Dave's better. personality because he's uh, kind of cheesy, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's, uh, I can't I can't deny it. Um, I get there. Uh, yep. I go there. So, yeah, so you were... I think we're we're onto a good subject in the sense that you've created a product that um, is innovative, that may be market market changing, um, sort of uh, hopefully um, disruptive. It is disruptive. I mean, we're doing. I mean, you know, now you have impossible uh, impossible meats, and you have, or excuse me, impossible burger and Beyond Meats, and uh, Dr. Prager is all launching these uh, plant based meat products and beef products. Uh, and they're going crazy, and you know you got to have a good partner. And you need to, you need to have a cheeseburger. Uh, so we're doing a lot of uh, a lot of demand from that, from frozen pizza companies uh, that need to move into the non-dairy uh, arena because it, again, that's where they have to be. I mean, a lot of pizza companies like Blaze, and uh, we're, we're talking to Subway, we're talking to Jimmy John's. I mean, it's just. The demand is huge, uh, and you know, again, we just need to continue to be innovative and and uh, improve our product and stay ahead of the game. Because, look, I can't own the I can't own the ingredients, right? I mean, we people will figure out how to make something similar. We just have to stay ahead of them. And right now, we have 
you know, the, the leading companies out there, it's a little hard for them to pivot because they've been making rubber for so long. That's right. Uh, but but they will. I mean, they got to survive, right? Well, so, you know, I've been through it, that's for sure. I've seen um, I yeah. have some great uh, stories about all that. And I knew it was coming all along, and just like you do. And uh, yeah. you really have to... There was schools of thought. There was a school of thought in our um, company that, hey, um, why don't we just stay nice and, you know, stay in this little tight little family thing and, you know, just be uh, an icon in Portland and, and forget about uh, all this crazy growth because that was just, it's God, it's going to be so stressful. But uh, we knew better. I knew better than that. Um I knew that the only way we were going to survive probably was and, and thrive, you know, was to stay ahead of the competition and keep moving, keep moving forward. And, and actually, we needed to get help from 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 folks who had experience in, in different levels. Yep. Well, I mean, you have to. Uh, I mean, it's okay to small, stay small if that's what you want to do. I mean, of course, it's probably not your personality. It's not mine. I mean, no, yeah. I want to get in the car and and go as fast as I can and win the race without yeah. crashing. Well, and, and if uh, you do stay small, you're going to have to, your products are going to have to constantly change and constantly be disruptive in a sense because the bigger guys, when they see something good, they're going to come along and, and streamline it. And, uh, you know, so that was, that was my thinking. I'm like, okay, you got to be, you got to, you got to grow. You got to, you got to compete. You got to fight. Well, you did an amazing job. I mean, it's uh, what you did is remarkable, and you know, uh, you know, well, we, we can be as half as successful as you are. I mean, we'll be really successful. So yeah, it's it's uh, great. I I've um, I've had I had a lot of good help, and uh, you know, that's one thing. That's another lesson that um, I'm sure you know, and that's having people that are smarter than than you, at least at other things. You know, because. Having being able to source the right people, and it's always it's always yeah. been a struggle, you know. Especially for a small company, we had a hell of a time um, when we got to the level where we had to deal with head head hunting, because you know it's people put on a good game when you when you when you meet them, and then things. Boy, that, <laughs> you say that you're, you're speaking gospel right there. Mm-hmm, people, I think so. people has been my, our most challenging part is people. Uh, and I'll never forget uh, an investment banker I met early on. He said, I just want you to remember one thing. And I go, what's that? He goes, people suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just remember that. Yeah, and yeah I could have listened right. harder. Yeah. And, you know, it's really about your leadership that matters, too. So, um, you know, Dave, well, another important factor about your product, and, and you know, see how Dave works is, too, but um, you are always true to your product. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what, you didn't compromise on that product. Maybe that's something Dave uses as a philosophy, too. It sounded like, sounds yep. like it. You know, you have to. I mean, you have to be the, I mean, it, it's it's an extension of you, uh, and you want it to be the best in the marketplace. So, um, I mean, I take a lot of pride, and, and I have a lot of passion for what I do in, the, in our brands. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, we want to be the best, and we want the customer to enjoy it. I want to, I want to know that, when I when I at a show, trade shows, and I see people put my product in their mouth, I'm expecting them to go, "Wow, right?" Yeah. I don't want them to go, oh, hey, it's pretty good." It's so, okay. yeah. So it's you know that's how we drive this, and I think that's important because some 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 of our competition just want to be good enough, you know, and they they want to, you know, they're worried about pennies versus you know yes. having great connections with the consumer and and you know being the leader of the category. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the same for our cheese. And now, you know, I partnered with uh, uh, a man named Eric Healy out of Bend, Oregon, and we launched a company called Ava Love. And uh, we're the only company in the world that can take avocados and turn them into chips or pops. And, okay, so that's what yeah. that's what you're working with right now? That's Well, that and Good Planet. That. I still have BFY, which does all the other stuff. So we're, Jeez. I'm a little, I got my, I'm doing a lot right now, and our team is busy, and we're excited. But, uh, yeah, Eric and I have auto love, and it's just the demand is crazy, and now we're trying to figure out how we can scale up fast enough to meet the demand. But it's an amazing 
again, being innovative, right? Nobody's yeah. seen it, so they they got to have it. Boy, this is good. This is a good subject. We're going to come back to it in just a second. I got to run my neck a little bit about um, Publicize. Publicize is a sponsor of ours. Uh, they're a deconstructed PR subscription service, which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize takes a strategic approach to PR, planning your publicity needs in concert with your long-term growth and business objectives. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Dave, not Lad, sent you. <laughs> you guys. Lad's just, he's a knucklehead still. Well, there was no spoon. I had to stir it with something. <laughs> Must have been a really small cup of coffee. Yeah, now I got bur- <laughs> now I got burns on my wiener. Yeah. So, uh, on that, not on that subject. Let's get back to some real, some real meat. All right, Dave. So I, I got a question for you. You know, um, Dave was an innovator in the Portland area with hiring ex-felons, and I know we talked about this before. But because of what he did in the Portland area, hiring ex-felons, it really kind of bled into the community. Now other companies, uh, along with Dave's, you know, they do the same thing. How was well, I wasn't the first. We weren't the first people who ever did it, but we were probably the first who uh, were well-known for doing it. Right. So. so do you have any examples of that happening with you and your community? Uh, a lot, actually. You know, um, at Pop Gourmet, when I uh, was hiring, um, it was weird that... Uh, the directors, a couple of directors of DOC here in Washington, asked to, they reached out to me and asked to meet with me. And uh, I just said, sure. Uh, everybody asked me what they wanted to meet with me about. I said, I had no idea. I just thought it was, uh, I should meet with them. They came to my office and they wanted to talk about how collaborate and innovate the reentry process so that more people could be successful and more employers would uh, consider hiring, you know, people that were transitioning from prison. Uh, and you know what? We developed a really great relationship. They started putting on this uh, re- uh, uh, event uh, at the Washington State Fairgrounds, and it was sponsored by the DOC. By the DOC, and they would invite all. They would send people out in the community to invite employers in. And you know what? I saw a lot uh, happen from that. We just. A lot of employers started reaching out. There were other groups that started forming and getting involved. So, you know, over the last four years, uh, I mean, I felt like at the time it was pretty bleak. And I was one of the few employers that besides, I think it was, get the industries over here that was doing it. But um, there wasn't a lot of, of, of employers that were really, I mean, they might have been hiring, but they weren't out there about it, right? Right. So I think, I think we really kind of... Uh, propelled that along was along with the DOC who was very supportive. The reentry movement now is huge. I mean it's really growing. It's got yeah. a lot of momentum. It's got a lot of supporters. It's you know, the the governor is behind it. It's really remarkable. So yeah, you know what? I think uh, you know, we were one of the seeds that made it okay. And uh, I feel really good about that. And and, it, and it's a philosophy, even though I don't have a hundred employees that are formerly incarcerated, I mean today uh, there's only eight in my, uh, my, my, uh, pool here, my employee team. And, uh, three of us, uh, happen to be, uh, formerly incarcerated. And one of them, I actually met, uh, while I was teaching, well, I was doing an, no, I wasn't teaching. I was doing an entrepreneur event, uh, in Monroe at the state prison here. And I met this guy, Spencer. And you know what? Uh, actually, I just promoted him to VP of operations, uh, two days ago. This guy, He's only been with me. He got out in, I think, uh, started in work release in November or October. Um, this guy's a superstar. I mean, he can run circles around most people, and he gets it. And he he's figured out how I communicate with my partners and with our customers and uh, and has actually replicated that. So I know now that when he sends an email, it's going to be in that same tone that I did. And, he, again, he learned a lot of life lessons. He was incarcerated for seven years. So he gets it. It but totally he used that does. time to really he, yeah. he he used that time to better himself and do get himself on the right track and yeah. himself and you know what I mean I'm really fortunate and there, there's all the things this, superstar all the things that you say are I have found to be basically universal principles that's all there is to it it's not he's not saying anything David's not saying anything that is um, 
you know, that, that I haven't said, too, as far as people and, you know, HR, uh, human resources. Um, you know, I'd like to ask you to see if, see if there's anything different or if you and I agree and, and totally agree and don't have any differences. Um, what are, first of all, the factors that you look for in people who you hire, uh, particularly ex-felons? And uh, again, what kinds of um, of results have you seen? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, that's kind of a. I kind of look at them all as individuals, Dave, because I mean, uh, you know, I have a little bit uh, of a bigger heart, and that gets me in so it gets me in trouble sometimes because you mm-hmm. there's some guys that I just want to help because I know they're good people, and I know that 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 they want to do well. Uh, but there might be that one piece where you're going, I don't know if they can get over this one hurdle, right? And uh, it's not something you want to be part of. Um, but, you know, I'm looking for guys that come to me, and and, and I, re- I can see that either they're, they really get it and they're really entrepreneurial and, and they want to be part of a team uh, and, they're, uh, and they want to be successful and they're driven and they want to change their lives, importantly. Um, what about And the- then there's guys that just... What about their past? What about I mean? What about say the last year of their lives? Do you do you look at that? Do you ask them to talk about that? Um, to kind well, of say what what preparations have they made to become a good employee? Do you do that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I I don't. I mean, I do talk to them a lot, but here's mm-hmm. the thing: I mean, most of the guys that I hire uh, have you know. just gotten out of prison. They just got out of prison, okay? Mm-hmm. Or they're uh, it's not like they've been in. They've been in the uh, in society for a year or whatever. I mean, I usually get them as soon as they're coming out. And, um, yeah, I want to know what they did, what their philosophy, not what they did as, as a crime. Right. Uh, well, in some cases I do because there's some crimes I just won't hire. Right. Um, but overall, I want to know what they did uh, to prepare themselves and what their philosophy is and how they're not going to go back to doing what they're doing, what they did that got them to where they were in the first place. So, yeah, I want to hear their story and I want to sum them up. But, you know, Dave, a lot of that becomes to me is, is kind of instinct from what I learned there and the guys that I saw and the bullshit that I heard right. from some and then the reality that I heard from others. So, I mean, you know when they're genuine, you know? I mean, I know when there were guys that said that all they want to do is change their lives and not do what they did, but, uh, you know, they got out and they, they, they wouldn't let them have their driver's license so they couldn't go to the job that they got and then they were like, well, how, how do I make money? And boom, right? They're back in trouble. Uh, those guys, I want to... You know, I want to bridge that gap, and I want to help them. Um, but, you know, I don't want to be a... Uh, Enabler? I'm just looking for... I'm, I, 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 right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be an enabler. I want somebody that's going to really be committed and loyal to me, because that's what I expect. I expect us to be a great team and build together. I mean, I'm not. you're not working for me. You're working with me. So I'm looking for partners. Um, and I try to do that all along the way. But, you know, some people don't want to be partners. They... You know, they're out for themselves no matter what kind of opportunity you give them. Well, you're clearly a person who believes in accountability. I mean, you have to, uh, to be successful the way you have. And you expect accountability from others. I do. I expect people to do what, they, what they're supposed to do. And just like I'll do what I'm supposed to do. So that's why when I, call, when I say I need a partner, I need somebody who's going to be thinking about what they should do to help us all move forward. You know, uh, how, do, how do we help each other? How do we help our customers? So... That's what I got. I mean, I, when I brought Spencer, I mean, Spencer is, he's blown me away. I mean, he's, he's I mean, I knew he was going to be great, but, uh, you know, this is someone that I would, I don't even question what he does. I know he's going to handle it. I just say, go do it because I know he's going to do it exactly the way I would want it done. I love um, it. I and, love that. Yeah. I mean, he's just a smart go-getter uh, who will grow, hopefully, a very long time with us and become a, you know, a, a big partner. And I've given him equity in the company, so... He's got no reason not to be with me for a long time. That that is going to be very uh, motivating for him, of course. Yeah, it is, and I have a great team. You know, I mean, I have my first employee from Pop, who was our uh, VP of Operations. He left, and he he's with me here. And I have my old VP of Sales, and he's with me. And then I have our other group of guys that have been formerly incarcerated that are going to be doing sales in the community and helping us out with social media, whatever. So. Uh, yeah, we have a great rounded team, and they're all committed, and we're and we're building a hell of a business. So it's exciting. Hey, I read I read something. I think you referred to it as well. Um, I think I read that you're doing you're involved with the Dave's Killer Bread Foundation. 
Yeah, you know, I've done a lot with John Biaf. Uh, I've gone and spoken around the country at, at the event. Uh, last one I did was in Atlanta with, uh, gosh, Virgin. Uh, so Richard Branson was a speaker, and Van Jones was a speaker, and I was a speaker. And uh, look, I mean, you know, they're out changing the world and opening people's eyes, right? And saying, look at who these people are. Uh, you know, it's great to get me on stage and people, the, the, the employers in the audience uh, have no, they, I'm not, I don't represent what they think is a guy that was in state prison for four years. So it kind of blows them away a little bit. Uh, it opens their mind a little bit, begins to jar, exactly. jar it loose, yeah. Yeah, they're like, that's not what we imagined. It's like it wasn't what I imagined in my mind when I went to prison, right? I'm like, what I, what I, my, my perception of who that guy would look like had no teeth and, you know, didn't cut his nails and wanted to bite you, whatever. You know, it's just it's, never took it's a, a shower monster. like Lad. Yeah, See, it's a monster. Lad, right? actually, Lad actually fits that more, but go ahead. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been doing that for about. I've done it since I think I did the first one in Portland. Uh, three or three years or four years ago, and I've done almost every one since. So yeah, I really support that organization. And then I'm a board member of a of a foundation called the Prison Scholarship Fund that was uh, formed by another formerly incarcerated guy, Dirk Van Belzen, who's doing an amazing job uh, providing scholarships to guys that are incarcerated so they can get their uh, their degrees. That's freaking amazing. Um, we don't have much time left. I. There's so many factors to success out here on the streets when when someone gets out. Um, one of those is beginning while you're inside to to beginning the process while you're in there. Uh, yep. And some people are like, oh, they put that off, they put that off, and, and they don't prepare themselves for opportunities. Um, myself, uh, you know, what I've found, I'm kind of starting right now working in Portland with... Uh, with you know to, to build housing i want more housing opportunities right now just the basics of getting out of prison are tough because you know yeah there's yep. it's easier to get a job than a place to live um it's ridiculous so uh yeah i can't even qualify for apartments in some places right i lived with my mom when i in my mom's garage when i got out so um of course i was i was grateful for that opportunity because that's where i was um but, you know, these basic needs for people have to be met. And uh, at the same time, we want them to be inspired, realizing that this is going to get better. I, I agree. And I, I give you accolades for what you're doing. That's important. Well, you know, it goes right back to you, Dave. Um, when we read your bio, it just seemed there were so many correlations uh, with uh, the way Dave has handled his business. And so, you know, above all, I'm, personally, I'd like to tell you uh, I'm proud of you. Yeah, well, that means a lot. It really does. I, I mean, it, it's uh, rather make everybody proud. Uh, I think it's important, and you know, we we all have to work together to help our community be better and help these guys have an opportunity to be successful. Uh, or shame on us as a community, not as not as former uh, you know inmates, but no. as people that have that want our community. I mean, we, if if you don't if you're if you want the crime rates to go down and you don't want people to commit crime, then you have to give them opportunities. Or That's otherwise, right. you know, screw you, right? Don't yeah. complain. That's right. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to come from the private sector rather than the public. Uh, I think that Absolutely. The, the, the private people, the people who are passionate about it, got to do something about it. And we got to get more passionate people. So uh, we have, we're out of time. Um, wow, it's been really great. We could keep going and going on this because there's so much important actual material here to work with. Uh, maybe you can come back on the show sometime, David. Love to, Dave, and uh, love to stay in touch with you guys and uh, get you some of my products. So Absolutely. You can check them out. I'll talk All to right, you soon. All right, so I'll send you my address. Don't don't send it to Dave. Send it to me. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, All right, but stay away from my coffee. Thanks. Hey, thank you for joining us this week on uh, Felony Inc. podcast. And I'm Dave Dahl, and I want to thank our guest, David Israel. Join us thank each. You guys. Thank you. Uh, join us each and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering, lads' ass. This will be full-on breaking and listening. 
All right. Uh, coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Oh, we love these guys. They're great. The podcast is usually in Spanish, so preparte para algo Thanks, divertido. Dave. Thank you, Dave. It's right, really guys. great. Take care, everybody. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.